This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board, episode 13 of Series 6. As always, it's for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. There have been extraordinary scenes here and at the uh, South Bank studios of Crocomedia. I have just walked in. And before I sat down in this uh, chair, I noticed you, Craig Hutchison, consuming the chair in another studio, hosting yet another offering under your own Croc Media umbrella on another podcast. Am I going to lose you as a, as a co-partner on this uh, this show that's now into its sixth series? Well, first of all, Damon, hello to everybody. The first trait of journalism is to be accurate. You've been inaccurate twice in your first sentence. We are Sports Entertainment Network. Part of the Sports Entertainment Group, not Croc Media, which is our former company retired on the 1st of October last year. So get it right for starters. <laughs> Secondly, I only have one podcast in me a week. That hour just took the world out of me. I need to lay down. I've just done Don't Shoot the Messenger with my partner, Claire, and I. I thought sitting, it was Claire I saw. What, so... sitting, well, of, course it, of course it was Claire you saw, because she gave you a big hug and said, G'day, Damo. No. And uh, we were just sitting in and helping out with, with Caro away. So uh, you better be interesting in the next hour, because Corrie is magnificent at what she does. <laughs> and I realised, because you actually, actually realised what true, the true art of podcasting is, the preparation was unbelievable. <laughs> I was getting regular updates in the 48 hours beforehand of where the rundown sat. Now, 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 now you're lying because you re- don't want updates until the red light goes on for record. Now, now you're lying. And I realised <laughs> just what a battler you are in the podcast world on the back of working with a professional. <laughs> it used to be Eddie everywhere. Is it now he there everywhere? Hutchie? Or, or, or consuming Craig? What, what, what are we dealing with? No, we're all supporting Cara a little bit and jumping and doing our little role. So um, Corrie had asked if I'd jump in this week and it wouldn't have made any sense. Claire is a big listener of Don't Shoot the Messenger and knows the narrative really well. And uh, so I thought it made a little bit more sense to, to Claire would be, and Claire very talented in her own right. So anyway, how are you, you mate? You're not thinking of merging the two products, are you? To, to, to streamline and acquire a new business. There is talk. Red Energy it, are getting us together. Uh, don't don't shoot the sounding board, you could call it. 100% Australian gas and electricity idea of Red Energy to get us both together for a mashup, I believe, later in the year as an event. Really? Live event. I haven't been told about yep. this. I mean, you can do that or we can do the one with uh, Robbo and Mick Warner. Which would you prefer? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'd be up do for you that have one. To, just try and get through one episode without mentioning one of those two guys. No, I'm, I'm, I like, I'm a fan of theirs, as you know, so I'd be up for that if you were. Anyway, we'll get that a little bit later on in the year. Where do we start, Damo? It's been a big week in media, hasn't it? Well, there, it has. It has. The, I mean, this is a little bit footy for, for, for what we like to do on this product, Hutchie, but the, the Collingwood situation is intriguing to me because I don't feel that the person in charge now who replaced Eddie Maguire after 22 years, that being Mark Corder, has got any idea what he's doing when it comes to the, the media side of that particular role. He's got, to me, messages in his head that he wants to relay, but the act of relaying them to me, is confusing and, and muddying this already... You haven't liked his first week publicly? Nah, I think he's terrible at it. Really? Actually. Yeah, terrible. I've, I've, I've seen it a little bit differently. I've quite liked the fact that he's been prepared to be a bit vulnerable and put himself out there. But he's confusing the situation. It's a pretty simple situation, like I read it. You've got a, a coach, a famous Collingwood person, Nathan Buckley, what now is- in his 10th year, and by referencing the, the need to still, in his eyes, make finals, is, is, a, is a narrative that didn't need to be introduced by him at this point. No, he was asked yesterday at the Magpie Nest whether he thought the season was over, and he made some reference to, or he was asked if he could make finals, and he said, yeah. What's he meant to say? No, have you seen him play on the weekend? They're not up to it. So what's the counter-argument to that? Maybe the more skilled 
perform and what is it? Look, that's the least of our concerns or thoughts at the moment. And that's my point. Yeah. You, you don't you don't say yes or no to, to can you make finals in his position at this stage, given they're not and given what that will mean, given you've now gone public with the need to. Yeah, but I think lots of presidents come into the role without – one of the things that happens is they don't end up being the president until they are. They're not planning for it. There's no succession planning. He probably in his head – thinks I'm never going to be the president of Collingwood. Ned's going to have a succession plan. He's looking around. Eddie had said publicly, I'm out looking for the president. So it wasn't like Eddie had thought of him as the next cab off the rank. So you're not you're not trained for it. You're not experienced yeah. in the footy media. It's different to the business cycle. Of and it's not easy, is it? I, I, I say what I'm saying here knowing it's not. Not easy for someone who's not good at it. And I don't mean that to sound too critical, Hutchie, but there's not many people good at what Eddie was outstanding at. And that is deflecting. Issues, and he did it for twenty-two years. And I would say this: new presidents. There's a wildebeest theory among media on new presidents. There's something about journalists that go, right, a powerful guy. He won't know what he's doing. We'll pick this guy for six weeks. It might be unspoken. It happens. It absolutely happens among our our brethren of media. And there would be a little bit of that. Try and catch him out early days, and he'll need to do some work on getting himself match fit for. The constant questions you'll get. Most presidents have rough first six to eight weeks in the role. You don't always have the luxury of being unspoken like the Geelong president has been able to be so far and just to glide in and, and say nothing and not be visible. Collingwood are in a bit of a crisis and he needs to be... Needs to, and I like the fact that he's having a go. Put himself in the in the firing line and... Well, it. One more on this before we, we move it off. Um, Hachi, Nathan Buckley now in his 10th season. So... <laughs> They, as a club now, and Mark Court has been on the board longer than that period. He's been on the board 15, 16 years or, or thereabouts. So he knows what Nathan Buckley brings to the table. And if he doesn't, he shouldn't be in the position. Yep. So to to refer and defer to the newly appointed football operations boss in Graham Wright as being the man who will tell us what we need to do, I, I've got a, a major question mark over that aspect of it. And I would also put to you, and, and, and you now transition businesses and transition people within those businesses into new roles or out of them, and that's what CEOs do. I would argue that they know whether he is good enough to be their coach for 2022 and beyond, or he's not. So, so therefore, the finals component to the Nathan Buckley situation, to me, is, is null and void. Yeah, but they're not. I, I don't think that they're saying it's finals or bust by any means. I don't think that's even remotely what Mark Court has said. He's just trying to buy some time. And the best way to do that is to deflect to the new head of footy. I, I don't think their strategy is too bad on Nathan. This is not nearly the circus it could have been at this point of proceedings. If they don't beat Gold Coast or North, get your popcorn ready. Unfortunately, it will be. But I think they've handled it pretty well, the Nathan situation. But it's to, clearly... Okay, to me, Hutchie, if they lose to Gold Coast and North, and I know what you're saying there, and I know that's what's going to happen, I'll be part of that, and, and so will you. But to me, winning or losing those two matches has got nothing to do with Nathan Buckley being good enough to be coach of next year. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but I, it looks to me like it's in... It looks to me like it's slowly ending like... Yeah, one of those happy marriages they'll end up being best friends together. At the, um, you know, as I don't think there's going to be acrimonious. It looks like Nathan's got his head around. It's unlikely that he'll be reappointed. It looks like he's got his head around that he's not certain he wants to do it anyway. And it looks like everyone's pretty comfortable with where it's tracking. And it wouldn't surprise me if it changed, but I, I, it's hard to make a case on either party why that it would continue if it goes on its current trajectory. And yep. I think Nathan's handled it wonderfully. Didn't necessarily want to go down this path this early. Yeah, what do you think? Do you, it looks just looks like it's just. I, I don't see him being coached next yeah. year, but but I'm not 
for what it's worth, I'm not going to be driving that opinion hard on anyone. Everyone's got an opinion on it. He either stays or he goes. I, I'm a bit with you. Ten years is usually long enough if you don't get the ultimate success. He went within 95 seconds of the ultimate success, as we know, in 2018. Uh, it hasn't worked for him before then or since he dub- then. He doubled down. The Dane Beam situation yep. is the one that really hurts the most. Yep. You know, you Grundy's the asterisk, obviously. And- the, the only thing I can't quite line up with what I've just said there is such he, he still may be the best coach available for, for that club. And if he wasn't coach right now, they'd be the first person you'd bring in. And I'd imagine he's going to be wanted by other clubs well, yeah, I, I immediately. He, I think he's still got currency elsewhere, mm. which is unusual, isn't it? Because in our system, wrongly, yeah. we tend to cast aside coaches after one. And the go. other aspect too, Hutch, he, and I've, we've said this many times, he's as good a media performer as there is. Yeah. I, I'm talking top of tree good, but... Channel 7's a close shop now, and we've joked about their situations. There's no vacancies there, and, and they've already made their replacements for, for Bruce McAvoy. Fox footy, th- there's bulls in that paddock there everywhere, aren't there? Gary Lyon, Nick Revold, Jonathan Brown, Jared Healy, um, Jason Dunstall. Th- there's, there's not a natural spot for him to slot in there either. Oh, and, at, at his level, people will create opportunities for them. Yeah, generally, there's only so much to go around. Yeah, I, I think he'll be he'll be well in demand. Whatever he does at, at the end of the year, tell me with before we move off the footy, is it a role the Collingwood coaching job? We haven't seen a low profile or a rookie coach going for a long time. Yep, we've had the names like Shaw, Shaw Malthouse, Buckley, like big. Yeah identities in footy. Yep. It's hard to imagine the next assistant coach off the ranks getting the Collingwood job, but that's probably the world they're facing at the end of the year. How does that play out, to use your... Well, kind of well, Eddie would never have allowed it, would it? His model was to, to remove one of those big names in, in Tony Shaw and bring Mick Malthouse in the moment he could. Uh, he then did the next part of that plan, that was to bring in the, the biggest Collingwood name in Nathan Buckley. So if Eddie was there, we'd be looking at another Collingwood person or, or a very big person. And Alistair Clarkson, yeah. it would be the, the starting point. And it probably has been for all we know. Um, but th- the other question with that is, Hutchie, th- this club has lost its clout, hasn't it? it? It was at one stage of Eddie's reign in the early 2000s, re- resuming its, its status as the biggest club in the country. It's nowhere near that now. It, it, it might be it as low as fourth or fifth when, it, when it's all said and done. Yeah, it hasn't been that for a long time, I don't think. Yeah. It, which is why Jeff Brown hovers around the background. And it, it's clearly been... There's some momentum. Uh, Mark Corder told us that Jeff put his hand up the day after the process closed, which was curious language yesterday. We've seen you know, Craig Kelly go public with yep. an endorsement. Well, Jeff, looked, Jeff wants it. Which was, looked like it was orchestrated. Yep. We're, seeing, we're seeing Jeff, uh, there's a, a whole raft of ex-Collingwood figures come out in support of him. Do you think that he will make a run? Yeah, I do. I do. I, I'm of that view now. But he, he won't be doing it himself. He won't have his own fingerprints on the the public nature of having the run there'll be if he, he is to come in now either a changing of the view of him coming in onto the board and therefore Mark Corder's in in real trouble at that stage or there'll be equally trouble when it comes to an extraordinary general meeting having to be called um, which is usually on the back of X amount of members signing a particular petition for, to have that happen I wouldn't underestimate Mark Corder he's a very successful and powerful businessman he's been in the middle of him some very big deals and. He's not the sort of guy that gets blindsided or rolled in a, in a board sense. I, I have no visibility at all what's going on, but I just, they're both very, very uh, talented people in their own right and very, very big figures. Now, again, as I said before, actually, I didn't want to go down this, this path this early, but, but we seem we're talking about Collingwood. It would be silly to not 
produced this this unattributed quote here, which we talk about almost weekly these days. And Michael Warner's produced another one during the week relating to the Collingwood board, which is the reason I'm throwing it up this early into the our conversation today. The fuse is lit. They're, they will um, so-and-so it up. There's a lot of discontent around, said one Brown supporter. Yeah, it's a powerful explosive quote, isn't it? With no name attached to it. And... and would Once you, again, would you not have run that quote? No, no, you know I wouldn't have. We've discussed yeah. this over many, many years. I, I, I you, you use the information you get off the record, but you don't then have the luxury in my eyes, Hutch, of putting because that was also the sell point to the to the article when they put it online and the the f dot 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 bit uh, it up bit was the bit that was used and the fuse is lit. Yeah, of course it's lit, but but no one's putting I, the name to that quote, Hutchie. I take Strangely it on, enough, I take it on face value that it was of someone of influence to, to be quoted. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have a problem with it. S- said one brown supporter. Yeah. Yep. I'll put it to you as a combination of, of many conversations that, that may have been patchworked together into that beautiful – they're always, the unattributed quote, the most beautiful snapshot in the extreme of whatever scenario it is you're, you're reporting about. I think that they can be used, though, when it's absolutely of relevance to shape your argument. And I think this in this case, it's it's fair. It's got a few headline prompters, hasn't it? The fuse is lit. That's yep. who, who talks it'd, like that? Does anyone – hey, Hachi, uh, uh, hey, that Collingwood stuff, the fuse is lit. But don't quote me. Wouldn't, don't... Be, wouldn't be bad on the Verity score, that one, I reckon. That would have, would have created some subscriptions. No question. <laughs> and you've got hey, the F, F dot, dot, Speaking dot of big well. names, I, yes. I heard – I didn't actually hear it, I must admit, because I don't listen. But I was – I saw it on social, the fallout to your radio on the weekend, where it was revealed on Saturday that James Brayshaw is hosting and is calling the AFL Grand Final on 7. So he has, he has landed in the Bruce chair for Grand Final Day. Yep. Well, that's seven. Have that, not... that is the belief of myself and Bill Browner, who investigated this Archie for uh, Triple M. And ha- so he's being released from the day by his radio. Obligation. Well, I'm assuming so. Yeah, yeah. How do you? Oh, I just loved him because he he walks between the raindrops, James. <laughs> I, I love the, the, the just the sense of you know of self. You know how much I love him. He's walking in there saying, "Hey, um." Wouldn't mind catching up. He probably didn't even go and have a face to face. He probably rang and said, "Heads up, before I finish up today, you won't see me on GF day. I'm on seven. You guys can sort it out. Bitsy, make it happen." <laughs> um, well, again, it's yet to be played, and he, he denied it. He, he got quite angry at it when we spoke about it on air. But that, that is my and Bill Brownless's belief, having spoken to. These anonymous people, actually, we're not quoting. We're putting yeah. our own names to, um, telling us that that's what's happening. It's a, it's a good problem to have, isn't it, to have your two main employers both wanting to call Grand Final Day for them. <laughs> you've worked for one longer than the other, but clearly the new opportunity is one that you've been longing for for a long time. i tell you what happens. TV trumps every other media. TV trumps radio every single time, doesn't it? When someone's f- feeling a little bit ill and they've, they want to have a couple of sick days, they'll still do the TV slot, won't yeah. they? And if there's, right. a, if there's a clash, TV wins out. People would never arrive late for TV either. People would never arrive late for TV. You see people arrive late or they come yep. out of the ad break. Even people who are, who are late for everything in their life. They've yeah. never once missed the red light going on for a live TV moment. And then radio often can be a bigger check. So it's really I, – I just love to sit there with my popcorn and watch him try and work through this one. <laughs> so it'll be, it'll be, it will be, and, and this is part so, of our. So it's uh, official. So James and oh, it's and, official in in my eyes, Hutchie. It's not yet official in Channel yeah. Seven. I saw Lewis Martin quoted on the back Hang of what we said. Doesn't Brian call Saturday afternoons as well for? So James and Brian being released from their radio well, duties. Well, it's already known that Brian's doing the AFL Grand Final on Seven. That 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 part of it is is right. Fact. It's contractual, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's just fact. But my belief is that that James, Well, someone's got to call it with him. So what happens? 
at the M. So Barry Janet gets the opportunity. Well, well, that's where Bill and I then took our little investigation into the zone of well, who's going to do it for the M's. Darcy, Luke Darcy's got a contract to. Again, this this is my belief, Archie, that there's a clause in his contract that he calls it for Triple M. So it's very incestuous, isn't well, it? Who's calling it for you guys? Well, the best callers in the country. No, no. Well, clearly, Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson. Dwayne Russell is also part of the crew, so yeah, we've clearly got the best product by a long way. And we don't, our guys don't go and run off and do side gigs like well, they're not. Your they're, not they're not wanted to do the side gigs, I, unfortunately, Hutchie. So that's the that's oh, probably the problem. I was just reading through the rundown. Did I read this? Where, and where this is on the rundown, three paragraphs. So I haven't read the full story, but I'm, I want to get into this right now. Where is it? Which Melbourne page? Press Club will overhaul the Quills Awards after woke complaints. <laughs> The prestigious Melbourne Press Club will look to revamp its media awards after organisers were criticised for succumbing to wokeness. At last month's ceremony, reports News Corp's Sophie Ellsworth. Multiple sources within the MPC have told the Australian that the quills held at Melbourne's Crown Casino, brackets, uh, winks, was problematic <laughs> and an urgent rethink was needed to ensure the event remains on par with other journalism award nights. You, you tip this. <laughs> such as the Walkleys and Kennedys. Many journalists complained that the night dragged on <laughs> and that there was too much focus on the issue of racism and too many awards, more than 30, were handed out. <laughs> now, just when you couldn't form a lower view of the journalistic profession, we now have got leaked stories about our profession in, in, in the newspaper that um, after a year of, um, of pioneering social change and standing on the on the uh, judgment box of, of all of society, yeah. we're now angry that the night itself was too reflective of the journalism we've been telling. <laughs> I hadn't seen this story, actually, but let me, let me guess. This has been published in we're, News Limited, has it? We're, we're outraged about every little thing that happens in the community, yeah. and then when we run, had it run a night that's, that's determined to be a little bit too socially responsible or woke, <laughs> there's now outrage. Woke. And the organisers... I hate that word. The Can you give me – because you've never understood the definition of the left and right of politics and you think you do. What's your definition of woke? The awards night in general. <laughs> What's your well, definition I, I of woke? I don't want to offend anyone. No, you're not. You're just, they're just our listeners. I don't want to offend anybody. But pretty much anyone who's offended by anything. Don't, don't help him, Jane. Jane, just because you've Googled it and you've – don't help him. <laughs> now, he's, now he's got what, it in his head. Woke, is, woke has become a catch-all word. Oh, has word. it, right? Yeah, according to Jane's Google search. It's a social injustice. Oh, has it? But has, has it really has you? It, it's used too broadly to, de, to define social the left and the extreme left. Oh. And why are we you so... don't even know what you're saying. Why are we so angry? Like, so this is what, this is what the uh, story would say, that we, as journalists we want to be... We're going to lean in on everyone's uh, anger and um, criticism of society. And we want to call out those people who, who aren't being the way we sh tell them they should be. We want to hold everyone to account yep. and tell them, this is how life's lived these days, and this is how you need to be in 2021. You need to be this way. But then we want to have one night off from it at our own awards. <laughs> we want to live it 364 days a year, but on the, on the other day, we want to be able to abuse people in the room and talk down to people. You know what this and sounds when, like? And when it's, when it's too pleasant, yeah. we're going to have a meeting... To decide, <laughs> hang, hang on a minute, press club. The 30 awards, people get up and they accept awards on their woke behaviours for the year just gone, but they want to go back to the table and not have to deal with it, what they dealt with on the stage. You know what this sounds like, Archie? This sounds like one of my very first experiences with a football writer's dinner when I was, it would have been 1989 when I, they were held at the Hawthorne Football Club before it was pulled down. 
hosted by Neil Roberts. My goodness me, I've never seen anything like it. And and times have changed, it's fair to say, Hutchie. That, that story can't be true. There was too much focus on the issue of racism. Racism, the, the best thing journalism has done in the last 12 months is it the work it's done supporting, I reckon, around the world. Now, we're a long, long way to go, but we're, we're taking steps in the right direction, helped by the media, serious racism issues. Mm. If, if you're going to reflect on anything of the last 12 months of journalism, it's Probably. done a, a little bit of good in that space. Not 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 nearly, nearly enough. From an awareness but, yeah, component. Just a, just and, and a cut-through component. A toenail in the right direction. Yeah. And now we want to... We're complaining that the United had too much discussion around it. Well, oh, we, we picked this, didn't we? We, we? we said some weeks ago, actually, everyone's gone back to pre-COVID angst, haven't we? We've, and, got, we've all returned, ourselves included. And then the, the, the other thing is that how it got published. Like, well, it's in News Limited, Hutchie. Does it count? Well, well who, did they win any awards? Are, are, we, are we possibly soaking it up that we didn't that they didn't win any awards? And what well, they won a heap, but more than thirty awards is the is the angst. Do, yeah. do we need to give out thirty awards, don't we? I wouldn't have thought so, Hutchie, but, you know. <laughs> I reckon there's an argument just to cancel all journalism awards ever in a day. Hang on. So what about our ones, the ones that you bagged me for being on a committee of last year? And <laughs> you can't, thought they weren't enough last year, I think. Can't fit any more on the shelf anyway. So it's... Tell me with um, with that, there was a story to, to during the rounds during the week, and it got, some <laughs> it got some traction. The famous awarding to the, the kid in his or her sports team for being best on ground during a certain performance, getting it was it's back in our era, Hutchie, the McDonald's voucher to yep. go and buy a cheeseburger and a fries. Yep, banned. People want it banned. I didn't read this. Why is that? Because it's not healthy, Hutchie. It's not healthy. I don't know how we managed to get ourselves out of our own doors some mornings without yep. someone telling us how to you know, open the door and shut it. Well, it seriously. Now, a... Again, I know, the, I know the people running this cause, they've got goodness at the origins of their push, but seriously? Yeah, this. Uh, what are you going to get, an apple for being best on ground? Society has gone crazy. Well, you, you've got so many healthy options if you choose, but a treat... But if you choose to want to go and have a hamburger and some yeah. greasy fries after, after a best on field performance, which you've earned... In that kid's sport way, would you it's call a that, right of life, I would have thought. Would you call that woke? That's very woke. <laughs> or was it social injustice on the left, the middle left? And, give me that light again now that you haven't got the computer in front of you woke, from James. Woke's just about social injustice. As simple <laughs> as that. You're trying to embed that in your brain, so you've always got an answer. It's, over, it's an overused term. Now, we raised this issue last week, Archie, and, and I think prior to that as well, that the press conference has been called by even the, the bigger clubs in the country yep. when it comes to sport are not being either not being attended or being attended by one person yep. or in some cases just the, the club themselves media people um, game on the weekend Friday night GWS versus Western Bulldogs in Canberra so there, there's a problem there for modern media. No one travels. Channel 7 broadcasts from Melbourne. Yep. Foxtel had its own coverage but they, I think they both had inverted commas, boundary riders on the ground. Jude Bolton for, for seven, who lives in Sydney, close to Canberra. No one else. And I believe there was one person in the press box. This is a is that right? Yeah. Was, well, in, 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 in the days leading right. up to it, I'd been told there'd been one person who'd, who'd booked a seat in the yep. press box. Not that you'd need to, given there's only one person. But now, look, there might have been more on the day. But ultimately, it was effectively no, what, we've, what we had come to term as normal coverage of what's a, what is a very big rivalry game for starters. And we also had a situation too, Hachi, and let me just throw this in before I get your, your take on it. 
Matthew Nix and, and Adelaide Crows had, a, had an in-match incident or, or issue that, that needed explanation. Not one question was asked of that incident post-match at the press conference. The club itself had to then get off a plane, choose to address it, confuse the waters, confuse the issue, by the way, muddy the waters. But but there was not a question asked of a, of a major issue out of a game because of, as I keep saying, a lack of people actually attending the game in a media sense. Yeah, you're very old school, though. You, I am. You love the days of... Millions of journalists sitting around in the in the box and comparing notes with each other and tapping. No, away I don't on, like that part of it. Tapping but away on top. What I've always liked though is the match report because no one would have seen the game, so you got to tell them how they all played. Is the edgy moment of, in a press conference? I've, I've and you would have once upon a time, yep. Hutchie, in a problem life, been love that moment too. Where, where it is, it does get edgy, and you ask a question, you don't know where the answer is going to go, and sometimes it's put back on the journal, and there's a pile on one way or another. Yep, it and doesn't the old, happen. The old days, it was better too because you didn't you didn't get a seat. You used to stand around with your Little tape recording used to have it within range of yeah. a person's mouth. So you were often half a metre or a metre away from a Stanley coach. And they were like caged in like a lion yep. sometimes. And they in the would, back of a sweaty change yeah, room. Yep. And they would snap or flare at you from time yes. to time. Those days are over. The media conference is a dying thing in footy. It's in part because of resource and in part because of need. You don't really need to go. We've talked about this a lot. Why would you go? If you're a... If you're a serious journalist, going to a press conference is a no return on yeah. investment move. And you can see everything you want on the television, the Adelaide issue burnt to the next burn along the next day and Clubs are getting away and organizations are getting away with pretty much anything these days. Yeah, when it comes to this. I would just make them all remote. We talked about this last week. Just dial in. What what why do you need to go to the free? If you're a journalist, you should be able to sit at your desk. Dial into the Zoom call. I wouldn't have faith in the batch of journos, Hutchie, to, to watch the game the way you should watch it, I think, if you want to have a right to a seat at that press conference. Yeah, but unfortunately, it's no consequence of that. Like, no one going, no one cares. Mm. So would you, would you have seen more of you there? Yes. Are you better in a better position? But there's no ROI on that. <laughs> that being return on investment, which is ultimately what it's all about, Hutchie. Well, there's, there's not. Like, it, the resources don't stretch far enough unfairly. It is a good opportunity for young journalists to make their mark. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. It could be. Mitch Kreekachi was someone we spoke about uh, a few weeks ago when he, for a period of time, was allowed to play with serious charges against him. He was then given permission to play, and, and now charges have since been removed. We chose to talk about this issue at the time without delving at all into the charges. They've now disappeared. I just want to revisit it, though, Hutchie, from the point of view of the certain organisations sports-wise around the world who sometimes have a policy of the moment the charge is laid, players stood down until resolved in the court of choice. Other situations, AFL inclusive, will take a horses-for-courses approach, look at the particular case, look at the specifics of the charges and then make a decision. Have we learned anything out of the Mitch Creek situation in the NBL? I'll ask you that question because I'm in, not in the policy of commenting on other players in the competition okay, and well, the circumstances around well, them. Let, let's, let, let's pretend the situation that I've just relayed to our listeners, if they weren't already aware of it, of Mitch Creek being in the NBL. Let's, let's, let's position this conversation as player A playing in a soccer league. What, what, what would you make of how it unfolded with the specifics of that player A I'm in the soccer league? I'm not going to get drawn league. on that. It'll get, regardless of the way you framed it, it'll get... No, um, it won't, because I, I've, I've now, I could not have framed it any clearer. I'm asking you your opinion yeah, on how it's it played a, it's out. A, it's a tenuous link. No, so what, not, no. what's your view? You've raised this my, for my, a reason. My, my view is that I honestly believe the horses for courses way is the best way. Well, how, how, how is that fair? 
Don't you sit in judgment on people by... No, the horse is for courses, as, as in make make a judgment on, on what you as the organisation, who, who ultimately is responsible for that player to, to play, makes of the charges at play. I think- and I say for a number of reasons because, and again, we're not talking about Mitch Creek here, but charges can be laid and sometimes they can take three to four yeah. to five years to have finality if you include appeals processes within them. And obviously five years within the context of a sports person's life, be it an Olympic athlete, be it a, a soccer player, be it a tennis player, whatever it is, that, that career is gone if it takes five years for something to be resolved. And that's the challenge But for... you need to also acknowledge that the seriousness of the charges, again, specific to, to, the, to the case in question. And that's a challenge for all sports, I think, because they are wrestling with the time now. Yeah. It's not like you can say, well, stand down for two months and then it'll be dealt with and then we'll know the outcome of the allegation. It's, And then it, they absolutely need to take, sports need to take every allegation really, really seriously and on face value. So that's, the, the, the NRL have got a policy. Not many others have, right? The yeah. NRL got theirs through the... Players Association collective bargaining process, the no fault stand down clause. There's a, a threshold. Do you, do you like that? Well, I think it's been a really progressive move. I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's better. And it's great that the players have all collectively signed up to that because they've acknowledged a problem previously in their sport. Mm. There is a, a threshold that it, you know, it's a certain um, accusation that carries a level of sanction. Right. It's best I understand it. So it's not, you know, it's for serious stuff. Everything's serious, but it's for more, even more serious stuff. And you know, I, th- I hope that we'll see around the world players uh, agree to do that because it's, but it's not perfect, and it's highly complicated. It did come to mind when I saw Ben Robert Smith stand down as general manager of the Seven yeah. Network in Queensland. See your views on this. We've been following the story relatively closely. He denies the allegations, says the reports are defamatory, but James Warburton announced the decision in an email to staff saying he'd be focused on upcoming legal matters, and his leave will start. It's a mutual decision, according to Mr. Warburton, and they do expect him to return to his role in the completion of defamation proceedings. They're in a similar spot. This is going to go for potentially years, right? Mm. I, I would assume. I don't have any, any understanding of how, how long these things take, but it's already been going for years. So, Yeah. And, and, and while they refer to, a, I think, an eight-day court hearing for it, that doesn't mean you get the resolution of the of, of the case within the yep. eight days or after the eight days. and. Oh, look, I'm, the only aspect I'm surprised at with that this week was the fact that it took until this week for, for that stand-down to happen. That, that's my only surprise on that. The, the way I observe businesses being run in, um, in these circumstances, Hachi. Yeah, I mean, they probably had no, absolutely no choice in the end, right? But they were so adamant that they weren't going to be doing that until this week. Yeah, but it's a, it's a balancing act between support your staffer and employee. In this case, they are helping loan the monies or part fund that action. Yep. You've got a competitor doing stories about it regularly, which, you know, maybe is one of the reasons that they've doubled down. Maybe it isn't. And you've also, I'm assuming, got a business that well, that, that needs to be run. I mean, clearly it would have been getting in the way of business. Like, it, it would be very hard for them to be walking Ben Robert Smith around the brand community. Uh, like, take us on. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Impossible for him to be sitting in front of... Yeah, you know, they're advertisers right now. Don't you think it'd be just different? Well, I, I would think cumbersome. so. I would think so. Yes, but yeah. Kerry Stokes, until this week, had positioned this in in a way that had me thinking. Well, no, he, he's not perturbed by this component of it. Yeah. So it may, it it looked like a 
a common sense approach from both parties. Okay. Tachi, did you see the Saturday night AFL game, uh, Richmond versus Melbourne, post-match awarding of the medal to... As it was a fit. It's Petrarca yep. uh, by Bridget McIntyre, who's a is a, is a well known um, TV presenter, isn't she? Over over the journey, and she was just stuck in one of those moments that we've all been in to a degree, maybe not in front of a fifty thousand crowd and hundreds of thousands of people watching, but didn't have the information given to her at a time she needed it to announce the winner of the medal. I felt for her so much oh, because I did too. to be put in that spot, you I reckon your heart would just race and you'd be like, how do we get out of this and what do we do? And She did... couldn't have done it better. Once she started talking, it was the only way out and someone finally got the name of the player to her a little bit late. My my initial reaction was, did they pick the wrong Christian? I thought he was the second best player on the ground. I was yeah. only, you know, probably wasn't watching as much as the experts would be. But what, what did you think? I'd love to see the final votes on it. Yep. I would love to be given a sheet of paper to say, right, this these four people or five people voted on it. Here's their three, two, ones or whichever voting mechanism they had on that day. And was Christian... Look, if he wasn't best on ground, he was second best on ground, wasn't he? Have you ever had a moment like that where you get stage fright or the things go wrong on you? And oh, you, you, you Whenever you go... Whenever that red light's on, you have that moment, don't you? Yeah. Yep. But, but that, that was a very public one. I had a moment where... In, I had a moment in our um, early days of radio, which... Thankfully, no one's got the audio off because that would be the end of me. It would run for 30 years. I know Pickers is... Uh, I'm going to try and find this. What, what, are you, what are you about to refer to? We had a lot of tech issues in the early days of our radio and we had to go to the old SEN to record our Saturday morning show off the bench. And we had to make it back during the show. <laughs> so we tried to time our run to pre-record something, get in the car... <laughs> And drive to St Kilda Road to pick up out of the ten o'clock news. But the time it took to drive through during the show to pick up out of the ten o'clock news didn't quite match. And so the picker was driving, the car was running. I ran in to open the show, and, and the, the mics are on effectively. And I was I was puffed. So I opened the I opened the show the second hour, and I was out of breath. And then a little bit of anxiety set in because I couldn't speak properly. <laughs> And I, I, we've got to find this. And I had to. I spent two minutes of clumsily trying to get to a break, just completely puffed and just panting into the microphone through to a break. This is about fucking thirteen years ago. The only person I know who heard it at the time who remembers it is Bill Brownless. It reminds me from time to time. <laughs> There's one time, Hachi, you were, I think you might have still been. Might have been. I was going to say 97, but maybe it was SEN when Kevin Bartlett was doing the morning show, and you were a stringer for him on this particular period of time in. LA. Yep. And I and my memory has it that you were the host or had some role in the Get A Australia functions and there was a football match on. Yep. There was a football match on, an Australian football match on as part of this. And I think you had Nicole Kidman there and Russell Crowe and whoever else was over there. And you were <laughs> and knowing you now as well as I do, you clearly double booked yourself to be on Kevin Bartlett's radio show live at the exact same time you were about to introduce the teams as they were running onto the ground to the, the non-football educated LA public. <laughs> and the, some weird ass siren sounded that, that didn't sound like an AFL siren, but clearly it was like, oh, geez, the, the players are coming out. And you start, you could hear you on air say, hey, well, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome to the... No- <laughs> Did you do that by way of uh, design? Or? No, I, was the, I think I was the ground announcer at the, uh, in the game in LA. <laughs> I don't think ground announcing. I don't think I'm going to be any Tony Shebeki in the future, Damo. Put it that way. No, maybe, maybe not. Jason McCartney should he face sanction Hutchie on what he, as we speak, is alleged only to have done 
on Friday night in terms of uh, criticising umpires at halftime of a game and he being the, the head of the GWS I'm, Giants I'm glad football. you raised this. I want to get to the bottom of this because we've all beaten a story up from time to time and we've all beaten a story down when we didn't have it. And I want to know where the truth lies. I know where you're going now. I want to know where the truth lies in this one. Well, hang on. I've put my name... Hang on a minute. I'll set this up. You broke the story on the Sunday footy show that Jason McCartney, the head of footy at the Giants, was facing an AFL investigation for behaviour towards the umpires. I did, yes. You went hard with the story. I said there was a tirade. John Ralph of the Herald Sun and of Fox Footy, he does a great job on the Fox Footy coverage on Sundays. Does he? Seemed to put a bit of cold water on the severity of the incident. Right. Deny it happened, yep. but he did talk a little bit down for the rest of the day. Right. Did, we're, he, we're, did, he, did he concede that there was going to be a sanction? I thought his, his language changed a little bit by the end of the day. I right. thought, but I, I still think he was putting he was calm, cool on it being a serious right. story. Well, John was doing what he does pretty much every day. No, no, don't no, get, no, no, he's following up someone else's work. Is, no, is you don't the need point. To get personal. Well, well, just just deal with that, the facts. That's what John here. does. He follows up other people's work. Deal with the facts here. I am. Did that's you, what he does. Did you go too hard, or did he talk it down too much? And we, and we still don't know the answer Tuesday morning. Well, we're not we, going to know the answer, Archie. There's an AFL now, as we speak, of three days into an investigation, which should take, I reckon, twenty seconds. So, Jason, what did you say to the umpires? They've told us you said this, this, and this. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm going to judge the outcome of this. On the severity of the thing. Oh, the wet lettuce leaf, the AFL will always come down with don't on those matters. Don't give yourself the out if it doesn't go your way. I'll tell you, I'll repeat it. It if, was a tirade of if, abuse. If there's no sanction. Tirade, Hutchie. If there's no sanction, you owe John Rolfe an apology. <laughs> you do. <laughs> if he is fined without any suspended sentence, I think John owes you an apology. <laughs> If it's a suspended kind of Mickey Mouse, oh, five, well, no, there's going to be a five. wet lettuce leaf here somewhere. That's what the AFL does. They gave one to they gave one of the Brownlow medalist Lockie Neal Hutchie for touching an umpire. I, I think it's a draw or a tie. A draw. If it's a if it's a seven hundred fifty dollars suspended fine, that's my over and under on whether you beat it up or he beat it, or he beat it down. It'd be more than seven fifty. And there are two types of journalists: those that gives the the story a little twenty percent extra juice. No, 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 no. There's two types of journalists in John Rolfe's world. Just let Those me... who break the stories and the, the ones no, that he follows maybe, up. You don't need to be personal. There's the, there's the journalist that goes 20%. Hutchie, no, what, no sports editor has ever said, uh, yeah, can you go and just follow up that, that John Rolfe story today? No, well, you, you wanted me to say that. Don't be, you're being rude. You don't need to be rude. I just want to deal with the issue. There are journalists that go 20% too far, and there are some journalists that talk those stories down Twenty percent the other way. Which category <laughs> can you were in for twenty years? I was in the too far guy, <laughs> unquestionably. Yeah, no one has ever been more in that category than you. Archie. I would rather be the too far guy than the talk down. Guy. What do you? What would you normally say? I am Archie. What would you? What would you put me in? You put me in the the far end of the other one, wouldn't you? Because you you've actually given me briefings pre footy show going way back. Listen, I think you can give this one a bit of mayo tonight. I think you can no, jazz this one up a little bit. No, no. I, I I talked about how to how to sell it. Sell, yeah, you yeah. have, yeah. Because yeah, I think which, I actually. I don't, I don't for a minute apologise about selling a story. No, no, I, I know. And your That's... line to me, Hutchie, was once ever rung up the TV switchboard the next day and said, "Listen, that show that that so and so did, that story that so and so did last night, I reckon they overcooked yep. it." You got a lie. You got a lie on street. No one's ever said that. You got a lie on street. Other journos might have said it. You'll but see no. restaurateurs at the front of their restaurant. Selling you their restaurant. Best Come food inside. In... The food's magnificent. It's outstanding. Now, when you go inside, the food's still the food, and you'll make your own decision. But getting people into that process is absolutely a right and obligation. I'm the same in journalism. Do you recall you a conversation? You need to market your story. No one's ever rung up and said. They haven't. Craig, this is in last night, uh, Craig, whatever. That, pro- over- that 10-second promo, and then in the... Uh... <laughs>
You know, and the show beforehand was a bit much, wasn't it? No, no one. You're in the, we're in the business of selling our content. Yes. But the content is the content. It is. Um, I'm saying we're, we're sitting. And I, I think you've been uh, underwhelming in the way you've sold stories over the journey. <laughs> yeah, because I try and stick with the fact, Archie. And occasionally. I, I don't apologise for sticking with the fact. If, if, if in the process that means I undersell, I can live with that very comfortably and will continue to do so. But, and, but you, so you're not someone that normally gets talked whose stories get talked down because people know you're conservative. I am by idiots who follow them up. Well, no, I would think John talked it down a little bit. Because he didn't have the story yet again. No, but he, he has a different view. Yeah, because he, he's dealing with the team that's trying to play it down, Hutchie, and didn't want it made public. And I had I not broken it, Hutchie, I, none of us would have heard about this and nothing would have happened. Yeah, and you've been a talk downer at times in the past. You've been... Have I? Yeah. Oh, here we go, here we go. Have, <laughs> have I, have I? So I'm putting the over... When have I been a talk down? So from now on... No, no, no. When have I been a talk down, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make the outcome of the sanction here. The No, no. If I ever have to... The over to... and under on this from you and John from here <laughs> is a suspended fine of less than $1,000 is break even. Oh, well... Anything above that or I'm going to lean your way? Anything beneath that, I'm going John's way. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, for an under. You're telling me no one was there. You start this whole podcast by saying no one went to the ground and you're sitting here emphatic going, I'm right and John's wrong. I know you weren't there because no one was there. So you're only relying on what someone told you and so is he. That's what journalism is. There's two different perspectives. I'm relying on what, what several people told me, Hutchie. Well, he's made enough calls to question your version of events. I'll tell you what will be over and under if, if I ever have to follow up one of his, his stories, Hutchie. Hey, but yeah. with that, it might be now time for question of the week. I'm not putting myself in these positions again if you're going to just talk down at people. I have a little bit of respect. He has a different version of a story. Question of the week time, Hutchie. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to DrinkWise. I love how you've introduced to uh, our listeners, Archie, the taking out the trash component to people's work during the week. And Alex Colson on Facebook has sent this question is, is there an opposite to taking out the trash? If so, Mark McGowan's press conference timing on Sunday needs a nomination. Started at the same minute the ball was bounced for the Bombers Pies Anzac Day game. Channel 7 Perth switched away from the game, picked up an extra 100,000 set of eyes, I would have thought. Good observation there, Wiley. I wasn't aware that that was ex- the exact timing of that particular conference from Mike McGill. So you think there's a reverse, there's a maximise eyeballs approach? That needs a name, right? Yeah. So what, you know, you, you, now you are the master at coining a phrase something. So you've coined the taking out the trash, which you have stolen from way, way back, by the way, but you've made it your own. And we've made it our own on the standing board. What what is the reverse of taking out the trash? It's more like it's eyeball delivery, isn't it? <laughs> it's like it's like getting getting coverage delivered to you via Uber Eats. But, but can you can you get the rubbish component in the trash component into this somehow? Is it is it? Yeah, well, I'm, I, this is not my strong suit, as you well know. Anyway, maybe work on that, Hutchie. So maximising eyeball approach. <laughs> um, I like Alex's observations here. Um, what I will say about that, Alex, is that what I have observed of Mark McGowan, the, the Premier with the 90, was it, 80.6% approval rate at some stage, which needs to be uh, acknowledged in this, um, he does like yep. the limelight, Hutchie. It it's an audience loan, really, isn't it? It's you, you lean in on an audience he knows there and interrupt it. You're learning the audience for your own needs. So he's waited till the start of the Anzac Day game. That's ex- that's extraordinary behaviour that we've had the had brought it's to a, our attention by Alex Colson. It's a really good pickup. Extraordinary behaviour. And I think one of the things that well, he couldn't have done it at at five o'clock or or eleven thirty. 
he waits to the start of the Anzac Day game. One of the things that we've seen in America over the years is that presidents do addresses in prime time because they know the networks will take them. I think historically we've had politicians here who haven't maximised eyeballs well enough. Right. I like the strategy. <laughs> he slew it through. This is when the crowd's going to peak. This is how I interrupt it. Can I get into broadcast? Yes or no? I think that it probably goes like this. You ring seven. Seven run Perth, by the way. So seven are the biggest. Stokes. Seven are the biggest platform in Perth comfortably in television. They're the only ones you would. There's nine have a wonderful business here, but seven are you know, hit legacy a fair way. Ahead. So he's, he's rung seven and said, "Hey, listen. If we went at this time, would you take it live into broadcast? It's not over, ideal over Anzac Day. Mind you, it was broadcast by Victorian broadcasters. As in, Basil wasn't part of the broadcast. Is what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. It was a Melbourne coverage, obviously. Yep. Yeah. So, so there you go. Now, Hutchie, just as, as well as Jane helping you out uh, in the definition of, of wokeness, um, she's also, thanks to, thank, thank, and I'm very thankful of her for this, uh, has managed to, to find some audio of you on the podcast I referred to some moments ago about you moonlighting. And uh, I don't know whether I want to hear this, but we're about to. My question to you, what is your most annoying trait, Craig Hutchison? I would say most of them. Just about <laughs> Just about everything would annoy you. I, I would, it would be impossible to live with me. Absolutely that impossible. That is not true. Impossible. That is not true. You are so loyal, Claire. It's, but it's true. It's absolutely true. Hachi, are you, as I asked you off the top, are you about to leave this podcast to go into the Don't Shoot the Messenger? Well, I've had a, I've had a look at the dynamic in media. I've seen what's happened with Brian. <laughs> the warming of Brian oh, you need a warming. has been a great success. I'm as cool as the other side of the pillow in the eyes of the public. I'm just starting to no, show the early signs what, of the Brian. What's cooler than the other side of the public? <laughs> I reckon the Brian playbook has got a bit going for it. So I'm just starting to get a little bit. You're as cool as that frozen chicken fillet in the back end of the freezer. For, for the next year, to amuse myself as much as anything, I'm going to pick warm environments. And I'm going to try and... If holy moly comes up, Damo, and I'm going to go and complete the job that Brian right. couldn't do. Can I, can I assist you in this course? Because everyone who, who goes down the, this path of, of trying yep. to change image yep. and, and, and perception well, th- needs a wingman behind the scenes. Yep. Can I be your... Can, on, on the standing board, can I help assist the warming well, of Craig? Well, it's not... I'm not going to get... I'm a stage before warming. So this is going to... This is the next year. We're defrost. No. We're going to defrost. I'm thawing. Well, it's the same thing, aren't you? I'm going to go through the year of thawing. So if you see any opportunities for happy snaps, Domo, I'm in. I'm going through All right. a thawing. <laughs> the thawing of Hutchie. It's time to be thawed. I, I want to be part of it. I, I just don't want my... 25 years of being frozen in the eyes of everyone I work with or around. It's time to be thawed. I'm going to go through a thawing. Hutchie, it's a deep freeze you've been in, mate. It is a deep it's, freeze. I'm not sure you. it's possible for you to come out of it. <laughs> I've passed my use by date as well. That's the other problem I got. <laughs> no, but you've been frozen. It's okay. We can work with that part of it. Um, I don't know where to go. So, anymore. if anyone's got any thawing opportunities for me out there, uh, I'm happy to embrace anything I can if it has a thaw element to it. <laughs> so, send, send them in. Send them in. Because <laughs> I've got nowhere else to go on this particular podcast <laughs> of, of episode 13 of series six of the Sounding Board. For drink-wise, if you're choosing to have a drink, got any openings or anything like that coming choose up? Choose to drink-wise and thaw carefully. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board Podcast with Hutchie and Damo for DrinkWise. Make sure you find us on Facebook and Twitter at Sounding Board EP. Hit the sign up button on Facebook to receive our weekly email and subscribe to, rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts.